are now recording. <laughs> Brilliant. Sorry, I, I was excited. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Uh, welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to Wargamers Anonymous, to a, a very special episode of Wargamers special. Anonymous. Um, you may have noticed that this episode is out on the alternate Monday um, so we don't normally release an episode this week. It is special. <laughs> it is the off week, but that is because we have done a super special interview with uh, a Black Library author. And special. <laughs> Just going to keep doing that, are you? Okay, cool. <laughs> um, we had the the honour and the privilege of interviewing uh, Nate Crowley uh, from Black Library, the author of the two Twice Dead King books, the Necron books that we've both enjoyed reading as well as the Gasgol Thracker uh, book that came out uh, beginning of this year, I think that was. Special! Uh, and uh, we, we were <laughs> going to put it in a normal episode, and it was just going to be uh, the main topic for a normal episode, but the interview ended up going on for quite a while, so we've decided yeah, that, that we wanted one. to, rather than editing bits out, we wanted to keep it all together, and we, we decided to put out a special uh, extra episode. So Special! I'm going to introduce the interview, and you can go and listen to that now. Uh, we had a lot of fun recording it, and uh, hopefully Elston will have calmed down by the time you finish listening to that and we get to the end of the episode. It's going to be a fun one. Enjoy, guys. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are joining us uh, in the past from uh, Future Josh and Elston. Uh, I hope they treated you well for the intro. We are here in the past. Uh, we are joined by a very special guest, which I am, who I am very excited to have on the podcast. I know Elston is as well. Um, and I'm instantly, I should have checked this before we started recording, but I'm instantly going to mispronounce um, his name. Uh, we have author of not only the two uh, Twice Dead King books, but also the uh, more recent Gazgul Thraka Prophet of the Warg book, um, Nate Crowley. Yeah, pretty much. It's fine. Honestly, you can go with either. I was I was up in an iron between Crowley or Crawley or uh, is it Crowley? Is it Cr <laughs> Crowley? 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 Yeah, you, actually, all three work. Um, I mean, to be honest, it don't matter how I pronounce it. My accent will butcher it regardless. So <laughs> yeah, oh. you know, I'm I'm casual about vowels, man. It's all good. <laughs> well, I, I've got to explain this quickly to Nate before before we get started. Oh, Pickle, please say badgers. Badgers. Now say badges. Badges. <laughs> I see. <laughs> this was a thing on a stream once, and now it's just like written law that I don't know what the difference between badges that you pin to your jacket and badges the black and white furry animal is. You just said the same word twice. I'm glad that this is the way we start our first like super professional interview on the podcast. Thank you very much for this, Elston. Um, getting us back on track. Nate, how are you? Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. I'm well. Um, yeah, as we've all discussed, it's quite quite a warm day. It is a, it is um, a very warm day today. Mm. I'm... Yeah breeding Australian desert gobies in the office I'm speaking to you from. Um, they live in water at 40 degrees centigrade, uh, which is just 
uh, you know, constantly evaporating into my my office. So I'm, yeah, I'm super comfortable. Yeah, it sounds like a really comfortable situation, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's psychically very pleasant, at least. <laughs> um, so as you're a guest on the podcast, there are uh, a couple of questions that we ask all our guests um, as of now. Uh, we didn't do it for the first two guests that we had. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, but I figured that we should start asking guest questions. So the first question is, uh, what is your preferred gaming system? Uh, in terms of... In terms of, of like uh, tabletop gaming. GW stuff? It doesn't, doesn't yeah, just have to um, be GW. It can be whatever. God, I've not played... I've not played much tabletop wise in a while. I do like Age of Sigma. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't actually collect. Uh, I've got quite a few models, but all for all kit bashes. Um, oh, okay. But I, I actually I love the rule set. I've played a fair bit of that. I borrow a mate's army. Um, I've not actually played the current edition of 40k, despite having vast amount of models. <laughs> um, yeah, hilariously, I've played a lot more of of Sigma. Um, yeah, I like Gaslands. That's fun. Gaslands is uh, obviously yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Gaslands, especially if you like converting and kit bashing. Yeah, the truth. The truth of it is, um, I am, you know, a, obviously a lifelong law nut. Um, I do a lot um, of modelling as well. Uh, painting, I'll do when I have to, and I sort of forget the tabletop <laughs> game exists. <laughs> other than like, obviously, like knowing like roughly what's going on with stat lines yeah, and yeah. rules because it kind of matters yeah. uh yeah. when when you're writing tie-in fiction um but yeah yeah it's um i think it's just because especially with two years of of you know a a pandemic and b you know just like being a dad living in uh miles away from a load of, of friends uh, I just yeah haven't had yeah. that many opportunities to take an army. Yeah, welcome to adult life where Yay. trying to arrange people to get together in the same room is a real dedication, and more than one, more than like two people in the same room. Like going for four, that takes some real kind of like organizational master plan to get that to work. Yeah, my horrible secret in general with um, with tabletop is is that. Basically, I've got massive ADHD and I get bored waiting <laughs> for the turns to happen. And I don't care if I win or I, win or lose, really. I, yeah. I just, I really enjoy, you know, just like emergent chaos, basically. Uh, and so when other people like, you know, double checking everything and looking through rules to squeeze every last advantage out of the system, I'm just there with my army of grots. Just laughing yes. death in the face. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. So yeah, I tend to just get really impatient. And you know, I'm not rude, but in my head, I'm just like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. Let's let's, let's, uh, let's, let's just see yeah. some things explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like the second question um, probably doesn't really need to be asked, but just for the sake of asking, and for those at home that may not know, um, what is your preferred army? <laughs> Scathing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's orcs. Yeah. Um, but I do also have, uh, obviously, I've got a good deal of Necrons. If I'm honest, mostly unassembled. Uh, I love the models. Mm -hmm. I'm deeply in love with the Necrons as a faction. You can't do that much in the way of conversions with them. No, they are they yeah. are a little bit... Um, orcs, orcs are easy because you can literally just chuck any old stuff together. And it go and it go. Right. Oh, 
It's definitely Orc. If you if you believe it, it will yeah. happen. What I'm building at the moment for them, actually, um, oh, you can't see it's on one of the high shelves. I bought a, a vintage model kit. Have you, do you know what the Bagger 288 is? No. It's the what? world's largest vehicle. Um, okay. You might have seen pictures of it. It's in a, a coal mine in Germany, and it's essentially a giant rotary blade the size of a building right? Oh. on a 200-meter-long Leviathan, which moves along on 14 sets of I tracks. Th- wow. I think I've seen that. Yeah. Have they, have they used it in, like, movies for, like, weird... Things I'm sure I've seen some horrible monstrosity. I'm like, surely that's just a, like a. Basically, imagine if God was made of girders. And there's a model kit of it, which is about as big as an Alsatian. Wow! Uh, wow! And I've bought one, and Ooh. I'm making a gigantic sort of um, moving refinery out of it. Mm. My my thing with my orc, it's not an orc army, like. I don't think there's one playable unit in it. <laughs> e- e- Sounds like the best army. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's um, you know, it's entirely a sort of um display project, really. But my thing is, I'm it, uh, I'm making sort of every vehicle has a function that you might not expect of an orc vehicle. So nice. I've got like bridge layers and like sewage carriers and nice. mushroom farms and breweries, <laughs> you know, and all the stuff that, you know, an orc were on the move would need access to, but, you know, it wouldn't be much fun as a, you know, playable unit. So that's, that's my thing. That's cool. You know, interestingly, I recently went to Tank Fest down in Bovington, which is basically, they just roll tanks out all day and they had the bridge layer. And I'm I'm all kinds of excited to see. Is that what the old Churchill? Uh, no, they've mounted it on a Challenger two now. Sick. So, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the modern day bridge layer, which is oh right. So, yeah, because I only know the old school. Because funnily enough, because I I I've just been cannibalizing the parts of it today. <laughs> ah, it's a lot yes. of fun. I go on eBay and I just buy like um. 80s airfix kits that have been found half built in people's lofts and they're selling for like five quid doesn't matter what it is i can use the bits always good for orc conversions um so orc player uh, age of sigmar preferred uh system so the third and final question um and i apologize to elston in advance um nate you obviously are in the uk have you ever indulged in uh, a snack called a... No, don't do it. Don't <laughs> Have you ever it. indulged in a snack don't. called a pepperami? Yes, yes. Okay. Don't now, do you know the you don't. know the uh, the sheath that the pepperami comes in? Ah, uh, yes, I do. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever, uh, after you finished eating your pepperami, decided you needed a little bit of extra flavour and sucked... The pepperami sheath. No, I've not, but I respect anyone who had. There you go. <laughs> That's fine. That's practical. It's good use of resources. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Elston, suck it. <laughs> Literally. No, you suck it. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, no. Believe it or not, that was all the intro to the interview. <laughs> that is a 10 minute intro. Um, obviously, uh, 
we have asked you to come on to mainly chat to us about um, the the books that we that we mentioned earlier on the Gaz book, the two uh, Twice Dead King books, but also just to ask a bit about yourself and uh, how you got into the hobby, how you sort of started writing for Black Library. Um, so we're going to go through. We'll ask you some questions back and forth. It's very very casual, very very. Uh, off the cuff, no, no, not, not, you know, we're not prime time, ten o'clock TV uh, in front of a live audience. Um, we are two guys sat in our respective uh, hobby rooms, sweaty chairs. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Elston, I'll let you uh, go first because I've talked quite a lot so far. Okie dokie, okie dokie. So let's let's start off with some generic questions to start off with. Um, let's go with. How did you get into the hobby? Like, was it like child sort of? Because mine was like a kid and then I left it to become growing into adult and then I came back to being a kid again. Was yours a similar kind of journey? Yeah, sort of, actually. Um, I first encountered the Warhammer 40,000 IP uh, in, uh, it was about, Quarter past eight in the morning. <laughs> um, in February, in I think nineteen ninety six. That's impressive. Um, no, no, I tell a lot. It might have been. No, it was February nineteen ninety six. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was a fella uh, in my. So I was born in eighty four. So I would have been. Oh, that's the numbers, isn't it? Uh, uh just turned 12, 12. yeah yep. and uh yeah so i was in year seven at school still uh, like first year of secondary school and one of the cool kids um had a copy of white dwarf Ooh, uh, that's weird yeah uh but he was one of those sort of like like cool like a french nihilist all right, Rather yeah, yeah. than, you know, like he was just sort of like a bit of a badass and weird. And I think his dad had some sort of hardcore job. Uh, okay. I don't know. He had a mystique <laughs> about him. Uh, <laughs> but I was sitting in the, on the, in the desk behind in on the desk, at the desk behind him. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is he reading? And I remember uh, the thing I cited first was an advert uh or uh, maybe it was an heavy metal uh, showcase, but it was for, they were just relaunched Epic at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, no, 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 no. This was prior to the relaunch. I think, yeah, this is when it was still Space Marine. Anyway, this is very boring, Granddad. <laughs> there was a picture of this sort of drill thing with tracks. You know, like the termite. I don't know. I think it might be an uh, Adnex thing, or even a squat thing then. Maybe um, a squat thing. But I was like, what is that? And then he turned the page, and there was an Imperator Titan. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that hit. Um, <laughs> and then the, uh, the, that weekend, because I talked to him about it, Games Workshop, weird. And then my mate Luke <laughs> said, um, oh, yeah, I actually, I, I play that. It's really good. Do you want to go to Games Workshop with me at the weekend? And... So he took me to the games workshop in, I want to say Beckenham. Um, okay. no, no, maybe Bexley, maybe Bromley. And I saw the box set for uh, Titan Legions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's some of my favorite cover art ever because it's got the Imperator Titan again. Mm -hmm. 
squaring up against the orc mega gargant. Yeah. And um, I actually, I, I spent about half my intro letter to the Gaskell Special Edition just talking about how much I love that picture. Because the mega gargant, <laughs> like, it manages to take this huge bloke made of metal with a castle on his back and make that look reasonable <laughs> in comparison <laughs> to this gigantic sort of fat robot with a big mouth. <laughs> like, or, you know, suns and moons and flames painted on it. It was like, you know, I'd grown up on Star Wars and Star Trek and this was a completely different kind of sci-fi. And so I was ragingly into it throughout my teens. I fell off when I went to uni, got back into it again sometime after I graduated in the mid 2000s. Uh, but that I didn't stay in it for long. And then funnily enough, I came back into it uh, a year or so before I started writing for Black Library. So oh. so on, on and off, I've been into it for um, oh, 26 years and more yeah. on than off. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a common. Cool. I think that's a common sort of story. Most people, you know, they they're into it when they're younger, and then they drop off when they're you know being cool and, and all that sort of stuff, and then they come back to it when they realise that being a grown up is actually pretty boring. Um, yeah, uh, I'm locked in for life now. I'm like, you know, it's it's all good. I'll be doing this till I'm an ancient. I don't have a choice. It's my job now, so. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of, I, I've just put, I've got a mental image in my health, it, sorry, in my head about um, like Star Wars and Star Trek and everything and watching that and then seeing that art and just thinking, God, that is so metal. And just like, that's all it is. You're like, that's metal as anything. I want that. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Warhammer hit me about the same time as puberty. And they're very similar things. You know? <laughs> I got hit with the hammer of puberty. Yeah, so, you know, it was just this more sort of, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's something very unfiltered. Mm. Yes. Um, even though, you know, it's a very carefully managed mm. thing now, obviously. Right. Um, but it started off with this absolutely sort of wild, untamed, maximalist um design philosophy that has definitely even if it's a more consistent ip yes. yeah. that sort of sense of let us go big and go home has <laughs> really stayed with it <laughs> yeah it's i've always been in love with that. that's cool basically whatever john john blanche spits out of his head he'd be like well we're gonna run with this now yeah. and <laughs> yeah. anything worth saying in warhammer 40k is worth shouting yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that feels like it should be uh, like on a, a motivational poster or something. <laughs> um, so, in regards to um, obviously the the work you've done with Black Library, then um, we'll get on to like some specifics about the books in a bit. I'm I'm very interested in the what's the sort of process like? Did they approach you? Because obviously, I know you've written some other stuff outside of Black Library. Did they approach you? Did you approach them as a fan? Did you have uh, ideas in mind for like what races you wanted to write about? What you know, what the stories were like? How did that come about? Literally, all of the things you've just said. <laughs> at the same time. Um, I was at uh, a convention doing a reading um, from something, and in. Um, when we was just sort of like mooching around 
networking, I suppose, afterwards, I ran into one of the editorial staff at Black Library. And we were chatting for about 10 minutes before I actually asked who they were and what they did. <laughs> asked, and I said, oh, I'd, I would love to write something for you. Uh, and they had, funnily enough, read uh, a book of mine, Death and Life of Schneider Rack, which is basically, um, it's actually got a lot in common with Twice Dead King thematically. Um, and yeah, it's a it, big, weird, Baroque, gory science fiction. Um, and like I say, they'd read that and said, well, you know what? Yeah, let, let's go for it. Do you want to try a short story? Um, do you want to come up with a pitch? And so I pitched them The Enemy of My Enemy, which is my first short. And that was genuinely a question that had been running around in my head and which I've heard discussed in shops and at gaming tables over and over and over again and on Reddit and whatever, uh, which is, would there ever be a situation in which orcs would ally with forces of the Imperium of Man? What circumstances would make that happen and how would it play out? Uh, and I thought that was a brilliant place to investigate what goes on in the minds of orcs and what they're mm. actually like. And, you know, just dig a little bit under some of the memes uh, and and sort of try and model them as, you know, consist psychologically consistent sort of functional things. I loved writing that and I'm very grateful that they, that they liked it too. And that was that really. Um <laughs> So yeah, it was it was very funny because in that conversation, I sort of you know, fanboyed at them, and then very was very very lucky that they'd read something of mine. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, nice, nice. I, I mean, I, I when when you hear stories like that, you kind of go because you're basically the same age as me. You were born in the same year, and I'm like. Oh, I could have been an author if I tried. <laughs> Instead, I'm just a painting maniac. So, well, you know how I became, <laughs> became an author is that was entirely by accident as well. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I uh, in 2015, uh, I was. It was actually a really rough patch in my life. I was really, really fed up. Um, well, at the start, I was really depressed, and um, I was sort of. I just, this sort of project I did every day, a good mate of mine had done a tweet complaining that no one had, not enough people had wished him a happy birthday. So I started doing this running joke of him on Twitter where every day I would wish him a more elaborate happy birthday. <laughs> and it was this real spark of joy in my life. And it just sort of escalated until <laughs> I was writing these sort of massive threads every day set in this sort of, knackered far future <laughs> earth which had been completely depleted by the celebration of this man's birthday constantly. <laughs> um and it had this massive narrative to it and it got quite popular for a while you know i don't know what counts as going viral but like it was <laughs> it was very well known there was like quite a few celebrities following it and stuff right. um, and rebellion publishing um who are the publishing arm? Do you know Rebellion, the game studio? Yeah, um, yeah. So that the combined business, they have game studio and a publishing arm, and uh, yeah, they they DM'd me and said, "This is really good. Actually, do you want to write a book?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. And yeah, I just jumped for it. And like uh, looking back on that now, so I'm doing this full time now, and I'd really, I used to be a financial journalist. I I loathed it. It was awful. Um, yeah. 
really, really miserable. Uh, and, you know, I did wonder at the time why I was devoting like an hour a day to writing fan fiction about my friend's birthday. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you never know when you're going to get your escape route. I guess. Do you know what? Like, something- that, is, that is the best origin story. Like, Mar- right? Marvel, fuck off. Like, <laughs> that, is, that is amazing. <laughs> that is- if, if you Google Daniel Barker's birthday, I think it's still archived. I am going to have to look this up after the after we finish recording because that is that is in, that is a ridiculous origin story. That yeah, that is incredible. I think um, Brian from Templars Crusade. I might be wrong on this, so don't please people don't put me down. But Brian from Templars Crusade, an old YouTuber who was into wargaming, who went to work for Rebellion. I'm not sure on that. Ooh. I think he did. But I, I love this. Basically, but, how did you become an author? I wish my friend happy birthday. Is the, is the simple <laughs> answer. That's, that, is, that is mad. Because I, I, I'd wanted to write when I was a kid, but, um, well, no, yeah, I wanted to do it all through my life, really, but I never, I never would have had the confidence to submit something to a publisher because I don't enter competitions. Mm. I don't mm. compete in life right. because <laughs> I just essentially already assume i've lost before i've started to play you know i'm just not competitive i'm just like you know i'm just happy to be defeated uh, so I, I never would have tried and so i'm really you know because now it's i you know i throw my whole self into it and i love it um but, but yeah I, th- I think we should have a game at some point where there's actually no rules just, just make it up. Well, that's what you do as a life, baby. That's, <laughs> that's what you do as a kid. You have all your mod. That's when I first started what? in the hobby, like not properly, but using stuff that my my friend's mum had bought, like off car boots and stuff. And we didn't have a rule book. We didn't have terrain. We had no idea what the different units were, and it was literally we'd just move stuff around and be like, "Oh, my guy's going to shoot that guy, and he's dead now because he shot him." Like, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you play. It's like playing make believe, isn't it? We, me and my mate, when funnily enough, the year before I discovered Warhammer, sort of had this bizarro um, tabletop game using micro machines, and mm-hmm. it vaguely had rules that involve flicking bits of scrunched up tissue paper around <laughs> as, as like artillery shells. Really? Nice. And if you hit a vehicle, you hit a vehicle. That's it. Job done. That's cool. Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> In regards to, I want, to, I want to. I know, I know, Gazgol is the the more recent one, and it's the one that we've both read more recently. And it's orcs, so uh, I guess that's a, a special place for you. But I just really, really want to talk about the the Twice Dead King books because I, I do too. I have been playing Necrons since Necrons were a thing. Like I have, I have played Necrons. I've played Necrons when there were like three different models for Necrons. Oh, so you're OG Necrons. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If, if you say Necrons, Pickle's one step away from an erection. It's not even, I'm like half a step away. I've gone from, <laughs> like I've gone from six to midnight. It's, um, I, I absolutely love Necrons. I've played them. I basically, I started playing 40k. Uh, it was third or fourth edition um i played space marines for about six months and then i started playing necrons it was their first codex i've got a load of the old uh, chaos androids and and the old old necrons uh, that are going to be going into my army chaos androids um, so i i have been a massive fan of necrons pretty much my entire career in 40k um and 
I have to just say, like, wow. <laughs> just, just yeah, yeah, just well done. Because I have, Thanks, I have read every bit of lore for Necrons. I have read all the books that, like, the very few books that they have appeared in, and usually they're just this mysterious enemy in the background. And, like, they've... Over the, over the over the years, they have had more and more lore added to the codexes. They've been fleshed out more and more. But the the two Twice Dead King books, Ruin and Rain, um, have added so much character and so much sort of backstory and interest in in the Necrons as a race, like both before and after biotransference. And I just, I just, I just loved them. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much that's so kind it's been lovely actually because i had the amazing fortune that rob rath um released infinite and divine yeah. just before twice dead king which got a load of people super excited it's an amazing book um but i'm good pals of rob so i was really stoked to see that take off the way it did and it was such a gift because it meant i could sort of come in you know, like the sneaky, sneaky man charging into a fight and hitting someone who's already been stabbed. Um, and and yeah, it's you know, with the book, the three books really coming out in a relatively short space of time. There's been, and also with obviously the Necrons featuring in Indomitus, there's been this big sort of Necron lore revival, yeah, yeah. and it's it's just such a privilege to be uh, to be involved with that. And I'm I'm so glad. Um, but the book landed well the books landed well for you I, I, so yeah. like even even stuff like, uh, like obviously in the second one um, anyone that's not read it vague spoilers uh, inbound so I mean if you're listening to this then you should be expecting them but uh, even the second <laughs> one like the the like all the like looking more into like flayed ones and stuff and like because mm-hmm. uh, like, even up to the current edition flayed ones it's just oh they've just got this virus that's it like job, job done like there's no <sighs> I don't. I don't know. There's just. There's just so much in these, and I know that that's kind of the point of books. It, it, it expands on it because if it was just a oh this happened and this happened, that's it. The end. Then it'd be very boring. So I know that that's kind of the point of of books. But like, yeah, I the the, the like these three these three books, the the two Twisted King books, uh, the Gasgill book, and uh, Infinite and Divine um, are possibly my favorite like Black Library books that I have ever read. Like, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm not just saying that because you're on. Like, I've I've read, <laughs> and, and I've I've not read loads of Black Library books. I've read a lot of the Horace Harrison stuff. I've read some other random bits and pieces, but it's been like I I'm very busy. I don't have time to read as much as I used to, um, and I prefer reading a book rather than listening to an audio book. Like nothing against audio books. I just like sitting down with a book, and I've read all four of these books this year. Mm-hmm. Good going, so, man. Um, <laughs> not, not to I, brag, I, but I've read four books in seven months. So. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've, I've listened to a lot of audiobooks. I wonder if I've read four books. Yeah, um, I, I really, I my reading dropped off horribly. Last, Audi- audible yeah. is a big problem for actual reading because it's just like, we can have someone read to me. I can, yeah. I, I do what? like, I do like audiobooks. Um, my issue is is that I'm usually if I'm listening to an audiobook, I'm doing something else at the same time, and then I'm not paying mm-hmm. as much attention to the audiobook. Whereas if I'm sat reading, then I am just sat reading, and I find I take it in better. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh... Sorry. So the, what 
that just all I've done there is basically just tell you how amazing you are. Uh, there was going to be a question attached to that, so. <laughs> Oh, damn this it. is what okay. I do. When I start a question, there's usually like 10 minutes of just praise or preamble, and then the question hits. <laughs> so the, the actual question was, um, in regards to um, the the two Twice Dead King books, like, did you, like, how did that come about? Did you, like, have you been a Necron fan for a while, or have you just sort of discovered them with, or like got into them with, like, uh, the release of uh, Indomitus? Um, did you read, do you know about Severed? Mm, no. Ah, I've got good news for you, my friends. <laughs> uh, so after I'd done my short stories, uh, the enemy of my enemy and uh, Emperor, which is my one about um, like a, a Bronze Age feral world being tricked into um, like mass producing repair parts for uh, a lunar class cruiser, which was fun. Uh, I did. <laughs> that's um, cool. that, That's a fun. It's a really weird story. I love it. Um, <laughs> So I was chatting with the the editors uh, at BL, and they were doing their, I think, second novella series. And they said to me, how do you feel about doing something on Necrons? Um, and I was honest, and I said, I'd never really given that much thought to Necrons, because to me, they had always been, you know, they are the sort of faceless, mindless, soulless antagonist. Yeah. They're spooky, but there ain't much to them. And, you know, I sort of knew what had happened with the law, but I wasn't that up on it. Um, and so I had a chat with them, and they basically sold Necrons to me really well. They said, just think about how tragic they are. Um, and my approach to writing any science fiction, especially the more far-fetched the setting or the, the the context and the situation is the more rewarding it is to think about the practical difficulties you would encounter immediately were you present so i thought okay so let's go to first principles what would it be like to be a necron and i thought for about five minutes and then said yes i will definitely write you a necron <laughs> um, it was weird i had never gone from completely disinterested to like passionately into something so quickly. Yeah, I fall for things hard when I get interested in them. Uh, so Severed was um, a book about Zandrak and Oberon. Um, and honestly, in some ways, it's my favorite thing I've written. Um, I would very much recommend you get a copy. I think you'd enjoy Pickle's it. Pickle's writing it down as we speak. <laughs> the audience, you see Pickle's actually like looking around for a pen and paper. <laughs> you, uh, you underestimate me. I'm on Amazon already. <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite sweet, actually, because that was how I got to know Rob, because he was starting with Infinite and Divine mm. around the same time that I was doing Severed. So a lot of the you know the conventions that we've both used because what i really like um is that me and rob actually have quite like you know very different approaches to necrons in some regards yeah. and i think that's as it should be it's kind of as i don't remember if it was before the show or after we'd started but um we were talking about how it's okay for things within the broader ages of 40k 
you know, to contradict or not align perfectly, mm. you know, because it's such a huge setting. And yeah, I think, especially with the Necrons, things vary from one dynasty to another. So me and Rob have got lots of different approaches, but we did agree or sort of come up with by consensus a common lexicon of stuff. Yeah. Uh, oculars for eyes, which yeah. I started with Severed, and then he really fleshed out with Infinite and Divine. And while he yeah. was doing that, by the time he was published, I was well underway with Twice Dead Kings. So I was like, okay, how have we refined the formula? Um, um, yeah, I ended up writing myself a document called Necrons, a user's manual, uh, <laughs> where I just set out like, all the terminology with stuff like discharge nodes and like uh, flux and, and yeah. all, of that, all of that business. And yeah, it was great. We corresponded a lot, you know, and obviously we're always working under what's there in in the codices but mm -hmm. the, you know there were a lot of just useful conventions we needed to come up with if we were to to do necron pov yeah um and that you know that made me fall even harder for necrons because it was just, you know just got me empathizing with them all the time well that that's actually right. that's really cool because like between like your two books and the infinite and divine i think um, and obviously severed, which I've uh, just bought. Um, <laughs> um, um, I think that they are, if I'm right, they are the only point of view Necron books, or the only ones I can remember. I think there's some stuff in, uh, is it World Engine? Maybe a bit in Deposition of Bar? Uh... There's a bit in, in there's some POV in Indomitus. There's some, oh, I've not um, read Indomitus. I keep meaning to pick that one up. And then there was a, a collection I think called the Ever Living Legion of short stories, which had a couple of but not to the same level though, surely. Yeah, it, you know, I I, I don't want to get into you know bigging myself and Rob up too much. <laughs> I think you know we, we're sort of um, we, we joke about us being the world's smallest and most specific literary clique. <laughs> just two mild-mannered dads who write about incredibly angsty immortal robots. That is, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of what I love about it so far. And both, both Twice Day King and Infinite and Divine and like do two elements and it's both like there's two elements of humor. And Infinite and Divine is like a car wreck of a show of just, Constantly, two old men fighting and stealing. Do, off each do you know other. what? Do you know what Infinite and Divine is like? Infinite and Divine is like me and Luke, if we were <laughs> undying robots. The, right for ev for everyone that doesn't know Pickle and Luke in real life, I'll give another analogy. It's like the two mu old Muppet guys at the Waldor top of the Waldorf and Stalin. Yeah, yeah, they're just constantly arguing. <laughs> but the the flip side of it, like in uh, Twice Dead King, is I love like the little weird things like um, uh, Altex. Altex? Oh, yeah, brain. Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. So when he's got his sub minds and they're all like sort of contradicting each other and stuff, and I was like, this is wonderful entertainment. This is a guy trying to do something and then five voices in his head to do something else. Like when the grot is bleeding on the thing and he's, he's just disgusted he's just like, yeah it's like oh you're bleeding <laughs> <laughs> well i i always think there's like like one of my most fundamental beliefs about um you know art i suppose is mm. that like um horror and humor are 
inextricably linked. Yeah. But I per- personally believe that humor is uh, a neurological you know, phenomenon that has been evolved in humans as a response to dealing with, with consciousness. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, having knowledge of your own death is quite heavy. And yeah. you kind of, you know, you, you need a way to deal with that. And I think humor evolved as a means of dealing with, you know, being aware of your existence in a universe that does not care about you. So I think the two things are linked, um, you know, a lot. And I think humor is often how horror is overcome. So if you have one without, if you have horror without humor, it's somehow, I think, less penetrative. Yeah. But this is why a lot of horror um, films and stuff leave me cold. When it's just like, you know, sadistic. Uh, yeah. It's just movies about people getting hurt. I can't take it seriously. Mm, right, um, right. But add a little bit of humor in there and suddenly everyone's human. Yeah. And it's, you know, then it really hits you. So to get back to the the, the stuff in um, in Twice Dead King with the submines and stuff, the tragedy of the Necrons for me is that, um, you know, they are a post-biological culture, uh, but they only inform Mm-hmm. They were not in any way psychologically prepared to abandon yeah. their bodies of flesh. And that is going to be their ruin. Yeah. Um, and that's the, but that's the comedy of Necrons as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you look at your classic post-biological science fiction species, you know, like the Borg or whatever, um, or various beings of pure energy um, and things like that. They're always sort of perfectly at ease with their existence, right? And sort of, I think of the um, uh, the the ships in Ian M. Banks's culture books. You know, they've just got these phenomenal brains that just, you know, take to, you know, they they exist as naturally as an artificial intelligence as a dolphin, you know, feels at home in the water. You yeah. know, whereas a necron is like a crab in an oven. Um, you know it it is a mind that you you see robocop 2 Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yes yes i know what i saw that way too young yes so did i pulling its own head off and there's just a screaming skull yeah like yeah it gave me a lot of nightmares but also made me think a lot about you know being a robot and that so (laughs) yeah so with his sub minds it's like yes you have this phenomenal capacity you can run you know you can quad core your own consciousness <laughs> right but it's not going to play nicely with itself no <laughs> no it still thinks it's a load of sort of weird quasi mesopotamian like <laughs> you know feudal courtiers the thing the thing i like about the twice dead king thing is if you look at it in an abstract if you if you zoom right out of the entire thing at the end of rain you're just like it's a big joke <laughs> it's one big joke because he's gone through all of that and you're like yep yep um yep <laughs> did you like the twist yeah do you, I, do you know what i felt so clever when i was reading that because <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, yeah, I was going and i'm like there's gonna be a twist here <laughs> i bet he's flayed 
So, and then when I, and then spo- uh, spoilers, everybody. Um, <laughs> but, um, but then when you get to the end, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought that was, it was such, because like when it first start when it first happens, I love like this, the like how blunt it is when it happens as well. Because it's the bit where he's, right. he's like killed the, is it a dreadnought or something? He's just murdered. He's yeah. halved it open. Yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the pilot's been exposed. Yeah, and he goes to bite him. You know, and he just like goes, and he bit him back. And I was like, oh! <laughs> I love that. Like, that just, it's just, because like normally stuff like that, it's like drawn out over like, you know, a lengthy few paragraphs or whatever. And that would just, and he bit him back. That, like, Do you know what? You, you've really vindicated me there because uh, I drafted TDK a lot and there were about three different iterations of that scene and they were all way more drawn out and in the end I thought you know what you know this is this is the damn burst yeah that's it let's do it in a sense well that's exactly it because if you if you especially when you go back and read it again but even even reading it even reading it for the first time like even going back to uh ruin like you can see bits of like like when he is like ob- like weirdly transfixed by the flayed one like early on before he leaves uh what, yeah. what the called um said yeah that said um yes. and like stuff little bits like that but then especially through ruin like all the way through there's all these little hints so like you've already got all we the no- build up notice the book starts off with him looking at like a dying animal and staring at its blood yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's like, on page one yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you, you get all this all this build up and all this setup all the way through anyway so I think the actual final twist and reveal is far more impactful and uh, not yeah. shocking is probably too strong a word but it, 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 it hits you because it is so blunt and so brief so so yes I think I, you made the I right was, decision <laughs> yeah Good. I, I, I was just happy the razor came back I don't know, it's yes. Like, oh, my boy. yes. Yeah. But then, but then, <laughs> like, and then when it when it does happen, and like he's doing, all, you, you feel sad for him. You feel, oh no, like you've followed him all the way through, and then he's he's succumbing to the uh, to the curse like everyone else. But then, like it manages to then somehow make you like glad that it has happened, and like because everything's suddenly going right for him, and he's doing a really good job now because he's just mm. like he's he's going with it and. I think it's awesome. And do you know what? It it has made me want to kitbash a flayed um overlord so much. Yeah, man. <laughs> do you know someone on Reddit recently did uh flayed altics? Oh nice. Oh it's sick. It's really good. Actually, I like it. That's cool. Um you know do- the uh I think it's some of the Sylvaneth stuff in Sigmar is pretty good for flayed one kit bashes. Yeah. Mm. They got- okay. Gribbly claws and that. I, yeah, I have I, I have that. built and painted five flayed ones, um, and I've got another fifteen to do. Um, but yeah, the dry the dryad claws—that's the ones they've got like silly long fingers. Yeah, yeah, they're like they're all points. They'll be perfect. Right. You know, it's funny. I bought um, all the miniatures necessary to make a, a diorama of the fight on the bridge of the Acrops. Oh, um, when the uh, um, the uh, Death Company of the um, oh my goodness Blood, um, Angel. Blood Angel's successor chapter uh, uh, Angels and Carmen sorry all oh, right yeah um, 
So I, I bought all the models necessary to make that, and they're still sitting in their boxes because I just started this big, ridiculous goblin cars project. Uh, yeah. You are a proper hobbyist. <laughs> you you oh, buy yeah. stuff and leave it on your shelf. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, that, that felt too much like a sensible hobbying. <laughs> Whereas, right. you know, I could be like, Making an oil tanker out of Rio tropical cans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, that's that. We've we've gushed quite a lot about the um, about the Necron books now. Um, now, me mm. and Elston haven't actually had chance. Like, we do uh, like a, a a story time, like a book club type thing on the podcast where we'll talk about different books we've read. And uh, I was super super into getting through Gasgol. I actually read the Gasgol book in like less than a week. Um, I, I made a, I had a trip down to London and I read for like two and a half hours on the train there, two and a half hours on the train back. And I read like two thirds of the book. Um, it, and it's, you know, when a book gets you and you just, I want to read more. Like I was staying up until super o'clock in the morning. Cause I was just like one more chapter, just one more. Uh, but we've not, what a lovely thing. To we've hear. not actually <laughs> had chance to talk about it yet. Um, no, because, no, we've reserved yeah, it. we reserved it. So Gasgol Thracker. I love this such do you know what I I didn't know what to expect going into it um, obviously I knew it was going to be about Gasgol because that's kind of obvious but past that I didn't know what to expect and the way that you've got it set so for anyone that's not read it it is basically it is uh, Order Xenos uh, ship uh, with an Inquisitor and a Space Wolf and an Ogryn Psycho Lady. That's really interesting. I was like, oh, uh, ooh, yeah. breaking the barrier. And they are... <laughs> Psychic awakening, baby. <laughs> right. And they are uh, interrogating uh, a, a grot that is supposed to be Makari, or that is Makari, but they're a bit suspicious. And it's... Has been sold to them yes. as Makari by some yeah. blood experts. Sol- sold, for, sold for five <laughs> planets. <laughs> like... Um, and the the book is then it's like split like different chapters going between the present time interrogation and then flitting back to uh, Makari telling like the history of Gasgol and the way that it flips between the two is is really really interesting it reminded me a lot and I know it's not like uh, story wise I know it's not the same but like how it's presented and set up reminds me a lot of uh, Game of Thrones like how each chapter is from a different mm. person's perspective. Um, and it, it that because of that it keeps you it, like even not that the story would need to anybody but it keeps you more interested because it's constantly changing it's constantly something different so there's never any of that like downtime where oh there's whatever they're going to do next is going to probably be a bit boring and i can't I'll, i can't wait to get through this bit like because you're skipping to someone else like you're only seeing the the interesting bits um, and i found i thought that was a really really cool way of setting that up thank you yeah that was due to there were a lot of reasons for that um First of all, because I think there was a lot of fun to be had in writing in Makari's voice, um, but I think it would have worn on the reader if it had been a whole book of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, as well, like parts of Gaskell's story have been done to death. Like everyone knows Armageddon mm-hmm. from about nine different perspectives. And, you know, there's um, uh, Chains of Golgotha, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, from a Yarrick point of view and stuff. So there were whole bits of the story that I felt I, you know, 
I could do, but I wouldn't necessarily, there were other areas where I could add a lot more. Um, so as exactly as you said, I could sort of, yeah, avoid hundreds of pages of Brienne of Tarth wandering around a forest <laughs> um, yeah. and just cut to the, like, the grisly disembowelings. Um, it's funny, actually, uh, my, uh, my wife, Ashley, loved uh, Gasgore. She's not into 40K at all. She really enjoyed that book. And when she finished it, she said, you know, as I understand it, this book is about like the most violent entity in probably the most violent sci-fi setting. And there's like two fights in it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah. <laughs> so that was weird. It's it's incredible uh, to just slightly diverge. Black Library must have seen how beautiful this book is because the they brought in a whole cast for the audiobook. I love um, the audiobook. Uh, so usually audiobooks are read by one person. This one is multiple people, and Makari like flips between like voices and stuff like that. It is it's just beautiful the way they've done it. And I was like, Paul Putner's the guy doing the Makari chapters. Uh, okay, it's lovely because he's a comedian and he's a <laughs> Londoner. And in my head, Makari was based on. I said this on the Adeptus Ridiculous podcast, actually. He was based on, like, there's a specific type of London pub man who's, like, <laughs> yeah. just sits in a corner looking like he wants to murder his friends. <laughs> and, uh, it's that voice, right? Which is ostensibly quite friendly, but you know you're going to die. And, uh, like, Paul just did that for Macari. It's actually kind of different from... You know the, the sort of the meme orc voice. Yeah, but it was it was ideal. I, I listened to that audiobook and was so grateful to the man because yeah, it was just like he was reading my internal monologue. Yeah, oddly, oddly enough, I've just before I listened to that, I listened to uh, Mortimer and Whitehouse going fishing. Yes, and it sounds like Paul Whitehouse, and I was like, it's kind of like Paul Whitehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like that's on point. I like that. <laughs> That was great. It was wonderful getting to really, because obviously it's a book about Gaskell, but mm -hmm. as Makari says, you know, to know Gaskell, you have to know Makari. Yeah. Yeah. And it was what, what a wonderful character to get to play with. I think, because right. um, I, I obviously, I, as I mentioned to you uh, earlier on, in, in preparation for today, I did re listen to that episode of um, Adeptus Ridiculous. Um, and I remember them saying stuff about. Um, not expecting it to be like expecting it to be more uh, Gasgill POV rather than uh, Macari and all that sort of stuff. I personally think that having it done from Macari's point of view, looking at Gasgill and it being like a secondhand retelling from him, and because of how Macari like exists, like he's he is the same person, he's but also isn't the same physical. Uh, being yeah, because they because they believe in Makari, Makari appears. But I think I think that <laughs> having it told from that perspective makes far more sense because it's that sort of mm. like legend of Gasgul. And I think like the mm. legend and the belief in the legend is far more important than the actual deeds. Because like a lot of the orc stuff, like it like um the the headbutt with the, the portal and stuff. Like they ever the, all the orcs believe that he headbutted it and it closed. It probably just happened to close at that time. 
but, yeah, it doesn't but, matter but that's happened, it the, it? the yeah. legend is more important and I think that having it told because it's Bakari you know spreading the legend and, and telling the tale I think that is uh, a more and it also leaves it open for like you know other people writing books and stuff in the future it's then not mm-hmm. um, as sort of like oh well so and so has said this and it's they can contradict every word and I would be delighted yeah, and I would be honoured so see I, I, I'm going to take the opposite view and I believe it all happened because the orcs believed it happened. And that's what I believe this book is. <laughs> they believed it happened and the book just makes it happen. It's, <laughs> the entire epitome of the book is the concept of orcs believe this. So it happens. And well, the, it the just book keep, is keeps on doing it. <laughs> on, on both the human and the, the, the orcs sort of, perspectives it's uh it's a book about objectivity mm. um and about i suppose consensus emerging between like mutually exclusive conflicting ideas if that doesn't sound too highfalutin like i there's a lot about you know equal and opposite forces in the book whether mm. it's grotznik and makari or like Falks and Baita, or even like Hendrickson and Falks. Um, there's a lot of things that match up. Even if you notice, the um, the chapter titles are palindromic. So, like, um, the they, they they the first six chapter names are then repeated in reverse order, so it ends. With oh. Gaskell is born. I didn't um, actually notice that, but I'm now going to go back <laughs> and listen to it. And there's, it. If you look, I, I, I overthought the whole thing stupidly. <laughs> like um, the, the Greek term is chiasmus, where you have, um, you know, opposing concepts mm. that eventually merge and end up on the opposite sides or positions from where they started. Okay. It's a really interesting literary device. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting because it's about a culture clash. It's about humans and orcs mm. basically, well, headbutting with their yep. psychologies, you know. <laughs> and it's about whether two things can be true at the same time. And, yeah. you know, like when Bytus says, what about your emperor? Is he alive or dead? And that's, yeah, yeah. it's interesting because there's kind yeah. of a bit of that going on for the Imperium as yeah. well. So, yeah. Like, and obviously the whole idea about like orc psychic gestalts and stuff. I see, I see, I like the bit where uh, Makari's explaining about Gasgill's in a slump and they're like, so Gasgill was depressed and he's like, yes, and think so. <laughs> and it's like, an orc's depressed? I like, it's, yeah, it's such I like that bit where they say like he's depressed and then he has to explain the concept of depression. And then he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that does that is what it was. Yeah. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Gaskell's got a raw deal, because whether it's a result of his brain injury or whether he's chosen by the gods, you know, mm. he's becoming something more than all the mm. other orcs. Yeah. And that's good. It makes him very good at winning wars. One of the reasons he's very good at winning wars is because he can plan around the possibility of defeat. He can imagine being defeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's like I was saying earlier about like humor as a coping mechanism to like <laughs> existential horror. It's like 
most orcs are just constantly in Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They are just in a world that they are made perfectly for. You know, we are made for war. There is nothing but war. This is Valhalla, you know. But for, for Gaskell, he's like, oh, I'm aware of other things. Yeah. Kind of takes the, the fun out of war. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you never, you never really hear of an orc having a headache before. It's like, apart from maybe when their skull's been like ripped in half or something like that, but <laughs> Gaskell. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what, what I, what I, it took me a little while to get into the concept of it, but as, as you get about halfway through the book, you start realizing you're like, so Gaskell wasn't Gaskell until Gaskell was Gaskell, and Makari wasn't Makari until Makari became Makari. Yeah, and it was like, of it. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like, Anyone listening to that sounds that sounds bonkers, but I'm like, that's the logic we're using here, and you just have to run with it because it'll keep on happening. <laughs> it's, it's it's incredible. I love it. Uh, yeah, it's so. Uh, it's been lovely actually with that and twice dead king. So I um, I did a lot of research into um, uh, ancient Egyptian and Mesopotamian. Um, sort of religious and philosophical systems mm. and like it's an alien world like mm. if you get in really into the way the Egyptians and the Mes- Mes- Mesopotamians thought mm. um, there's more commonality with the Greco-Roman world but if you go back to those um, those older civilizations and then again you know I don't know as much about it but the Mesoamerican civilizations like you know the Maya um, mm. it's just a psychologically alien world. There are just concepts we don't have. Um, you know, they're functionally identical human beings to us, but they have just an entirely different way of viewing things like time and truth and, you know, w- what it is to be alive and things like that. And yeah, obviously there's a lot of that in Twice at King, but it kind of kept leaking into Gazgore as well. Because yeah. <laughs> the orcs just... You know, again, I tried to make them internally consistent, but they got some, you know, it's a strange way of thinking. Yeah, like the bit where Gazgul, you see, oh, what's the planet where they all start getting ready on a set? Urk. Urk. Where Gazgul gets naked and just stands there, and Makari's like, have you stopped breathing, boss? He's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 It wasn't important to him. Yeah. (laughs) It's just that wonderful concept of the natural order of the world, what we would consider needing to happen for things to happen, just doesn't apply. Um, I love it. I love it. It makes it such fun to write as well, because, you know, usually you have to think of conceivable ways around things. Mm. <laughs> Whereas no. I wrote that book like an orc. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to. Yeah, I I would like, obviously, with you, um, like really, really liking orcs and really, really liking Necrons. Like, how jealous are you of uh, Infinite and Divine? <laughs> like, because <laughs> that's birth. Yeah, yeah. It's um. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know, I say Rob's my friend. He is technically my nemesis. Uh, <laughs> you know, we try really hard to be uh, to be arch enemies. We're just not not very good at it. I think it's really cool, like you mentioned earlier, that you you guys um, like obviously chat to each other and like consult each other with um, how you refer to different things within the books and stuff, just to keep them sort of consistent as like across the across like you know the, the, the different books mm. um that is really really cool I, I, i've never been sure like how black library works I, I assume basically they go you can write um here's uh like here's the 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 ten commandments or the million commandments written on stone. <laughs> this is the law. Uh, don't worry about all the bits that contradict each other. This is it. Uh, don't break any of this. Uh, go. <laughs> they are so. I mean, I got a lot of time, like a lot of respect for the editorial team there because they, you know, they are keeping track of so much. Mm. Um, you know, and they are really sharp on picking stuff up um you know like yeah because like we, we yeah. make mistakes all the time but i still think it's important to you know i like to to stay in touch uh as often as i can with other authors especially those who are working in you know areas adjacent to the, the bits i'm writing about and i think you know it's it's Quite unique um, writing for an IP that's so big mm -hmm. as this because we are all playing on the same team. Um, yeah. You know, we're all telling, we, you know, we're all painting in little bits of a much bigger picture. Mm. So the more we can, you know, like we'd all go mad if we tried to align everything and make sure nothing ever contradicts. Oh, God, yeah. Right. Uh, but, you know, the more sight we can have of what each other are doing, um, the better and the more fun it is as well. Yeah. With, with, with obviously with Gaskell and Twice Dead King, was it, did it feel a bit more like, so for example, a Horace Heresy author would go, here's the line, here's kind of the points, fill in the gaps, essentially. But with Twice Dead King and Gaskell, it must have been like, so here's a, big open canvas because this stuff doesn't exist yet so we'll just uh if you go off the page we'll we'll chop those off but apart from that Espe have especially it. with twice dead yeah. king like that was just it's just all brand new hmm? yeah there was two different challenges actually with with gaskell um there are there's been several iterations of Gaskell's story over mm. the years. So weirdly, it was it was actually quite a lot like doing historical research. Because like, oh, right, okay. these are the facts that have been identified. And I I put loads of post-its on my wall <laughs> with things that are known or said or claimed about Gaskell. And I write, okay, which of the how do I fit this all together while still basically doing my own thing? Um with Twice the King, as you say, it was pretty much completely free rank because I'd gone with um, uh, a new dynasty as well. I'd, mm. I'd gone homebrew. Um, and th that was tremendous fun because I got to invent things like the Warlock of Carnotite and, you mm. know, Gravitic Trebuchets and Scolopendra right. um, <laughs> and things like that. But um, 
it was tricky as well because there was so much linking back to pre-biotransference stuff, but that yeah. has to remain really opaque mm-hmm. because, you know, the studio yeah, hasn't released models of the Necron tier. You know, there is no established description of them. So it's not my place to charge in and say, well, they had a beak. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to be very circumspect about, you know, so I, I was conscious that I wanted to get lots of drama and resonance and, uh, and all that sort of thing in with the, you know, with the historical stuff without actually stating much as fact. And I think if there's one thing I try to do as a black library author, and which is very funny in the context of what we were saying about Gaskell a few minutes ago, it's to try and get away with stating as little as possible as fact as I possibly can. Right. Because, you know, uh, every single time you attach a number to something, a Reddit thread is born. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, hey, that makes it sound like it's my problem. It's not. Is it? You know, it's it lessens the experience for the the reader if their d- disbelief is suspended or it goes against their head and stuff. At the end of the day, you know, this uh, the magic of this uh, IP, this you know, system, this world. Uh, is the stories people tell in their own heads when they're yeah. playing the game or whether just listening to some drum and bass and thinking about Warhammer Man fighting, um, <laughs> which is, you know, one of my hobbies. Uh, but, you know, that's 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 where the real, you know, 40K stories are. And so, um, obviously, you know, I care deeply about trying to tell the best stories I can, but, you know, it's not about setting out the facts as... I don't want to say it's, you know, like, (laughs) no facts, only vibes. But, like, yeah, trying not to be too prescriptive uh, about what is definitely the case and definitely not the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, we mentioned the biotransference and stuff. The thing I, one of the things I liked and latched onto was the Red Baron. And they're coming collecting people and pushing them into, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. Well, I didn't realize, because I knew they got tricked. I didn't realize it was that scale of like you're going in there, whether you want to or not. You're like, it was oh. a self genocide, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Uh, and that's a lovely example, actually, because I really enjoyed coming up with that mythology. Um, mm. You know, and that oh, the destroyers. I wish I'd got to spend a bit more time with them. Um, there's actually a short story all about them in the special edition of uh, Rain, which I, I hope comes to light somewhere else. Someday. Oh, cool. Um, and yeah, I love those guys, and that, like I say, I really love coming up with that backstory. But you know, it's very clear that was an ethicus thing, so yeah. maybe it didn't happen elsewhere. But yeah. it's been lovely because I've seen, um, guys, really coming out. But I spend loads of time lurking on Reddit, um, there was a really interesting discussion on there, uh, like. Uh, so someone had just painted their destroyers red because they thought that was that was the thing that like, oh, I really like the way this looks. And someone else was like, "Oh, is this a reference to the original destroyer model from Fourth Edition that was painted red in an heavy metal supplement?" And like, to be fair, 
like I'm not above being that much of a nerd. But, <laughs> no, it, it was a complete coincidence. But I love that they made the connection because yeah. that made it a bit more real for them. That's really cool. Right. That's really, really cool. Um, Pickle, are you now looking for that special edition book by chance? Uh, I looked at the special editions uh, when it I, came out. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I am a poor man. so <laughs> I, I saw your head twitch yeah, yeah. towards your computer when Nate said it. It's I, like, have got, I, have, I have got everything in hardback. Um, because oh, okay. because you. hardback, you know, if you're going to buy a book, do it right. Um, <laughs> the short story with Ruin, um, I loved writing, actually. That was, uh, so you know the, the Siege of Antikath, mm-hmm. where like uh, the Imperium just basically sandblasts uh, a Necron crown world with human soldiers. Um, <laughs> uh, I wrote that story from the perspective of a civilian uh, pilgrim volunteer Oh. Who is the first man to set foot on the the sand of Antiketh and oh. he hasn't even got a working las gun. Oh. <laughs> He's just got his faith. Oh. Uh, and he is really stupid. <laughs> just on on that note, that like I know it's a Necron book, but I think that that is that's probably one of the only books where I have felt like uh, like hu- humanity and the Imperium are an actual threat. And I think it's because most of the time we see things from our point of view and it's like tyrannid swarms like overwhelming and orcs overwhelming and we haven't we know where we haven't got the mm. resources needed or the manpower and all this sort of stuff and it's always very much like we might win but only just and it's like a small minority escape and stuff whereas in both of these like humanity is like a big threat like <laughs> them necrons yeah. are screwed like yeah it's a i've always wanted to write humanity as cosmic horror right that's cool that's cool yeah because we'd be scary man well it's just like, yeah we're there, there, there are a lot of us there are a lot of us but yeah. it's like because we're always seeing it from our perspective of other stuff and like especially like with this being like it's only one necron world it's not necrons as a race like it, it i just it, i found it really interesting that it's sort of swapped on its on its head um like even given like the necrons like clearly superior like technology and stuff just just don't have the numbers um yeah yeah it was cool um it's uh yeah there's a bit too much hero hammer in the world yeah a little bit um (laughs) i think we're probably gonna wrap up there unless uh elston unless you've got any other questions I mean, I could, I could carry on. I know. I, I feel exactly like the hours. same. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm quite like I'm enjoying myself quite a lot just having a chat about stuff. But we probably should wrap it up because otherwise we'll delve into territories and we'll get people in trouble and stuff like that. It's not so that. Yeah. I've got to edit this, so <laughs> <laughs> it'll, end, it'll end up being the next four podcasts if we carry on for too much longer. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, boys. I did not shut up. It's fine. It's absolutely it's, fine. It's fine. Do you know what? Like it. I said, I, I could I could quite easily go for longer, but um... I just hope it don't sound like a bell end for having talked about <laughs> Chiasmus, Mesopotamian schema of philosophy. Um, you know, I just uh, you know, I, I, Warhammer for me is about taking serious things lightly 
and taking silly things incredibly seriously. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I think it, it doesn't really matter what you've spoken about in the entirety of the podcast. The fact that you've just used the word bell end at the end, I think <laughs> it brings you back down to earth regardless of what you've yeah. talked about. So don't worry about that Welcome at all. Welcome to War Games Anonymous. <laughs> um, so, uh, Elston, have you got any, any final questions or sentiments or uh, anything? I, 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 Basically, all I'm going to say is thank you so much for coming on. It's been wonderful talking to you, Nate. Um, I, I really hope we can do it again. Um, mm, hopefully, hopefully, there's some more books on the way. Um, we're not going to delve into that, but I'm fingers- working a lot at the moment. <laughs> yes. So and that's as specific as we'll that. get. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. So um, yeah, hopefully, I mean, before after, it's been wonderful to chat. Uh, I would be happy doing just hobby talking to you on live stream or whatever but i think we probably need to keep it to an edited thing just in case we slip up somewhere so uh, oh yeah i'll show up sometime and uh give you a tour of the goblin cars there are yes. construction so yeah yeah to everyone that didn't uh everyone that's listening you didn't oh yeah nate showed us a brief glimpse of his hobby room and it's incredible it's, it's on par with yours he's he is a war gamer extreme like myself and i am <laughs> i am so 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 honored to have an author that's an absolute hobby nerd as well to chat to it's it's been wonderful yeah so. man i'm a disaster <laughs> love it um <laughs> welcome uh, to the chaos Nate, is there like where can people find you like online do you want to share any of that do you want to anything else you want to talk about or anything you want to ask us before we uh, wrap up uh i am uh present on twitter as frog croakley f-r-o-g-c-r-o-a-k-l-e-y um yeah for a full rundown of what i've written obviously two twice dead king books gaskell the novella severed the short stories enemy of my enemy uh, emperor and mad doc uh, I also um, do some non-Warhammer stuff. My last book was uh, a fictional travel guide uh, called Notes from Small Planets, uh, which is done with HarperCollins. And it was like um, a yeah, completely fake Lonely Planet guide to a load of satirical fancy worlds I'd invented. That was quite fun. Did Sounds another amazing. sort of fictional non-fiction called The 100 Best Video Games That Never Existed. <laughs> Uh, which is, again, an entirely fictional retrospective on 30 years of video gaming history that didn't happen. Uh, and then I also, um, yeah, there was The Death and Life of Schneider Rack, uh, which is a book about um, uh, prisoners of war being executed and then reanimated to work on uh, whaling ships on an alien ocean uh, and then uh, organizing an uprising to seize the means of production. Wow. Uh, so, you know, probably uh, the the best pseudo-Marxist zombie whale corn novel ever written. <laughs> nice! <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I would laugh if that's not actually that niche of category as you think. Um, <laughs> um, I, I was I was looking earlier, and I have to admit, I, I have ordered the, um, the uh, best 100 video games uh, book, just because... Uh, um, yeah. I'm going on Audible. At yeah, the I, I'm a big, I'm up. a big video game <laughs> fan, and that, it seems like something that would tickle me. 
Um, so that is hopefully <laughs> going to be here soon. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for that. It is the perfect companion for a toilet. <laughs> I'm not saying wipe your ass with it. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, basically, each of the hundred entries takes exactly as long to read as it takes to do a poo. So, um, That's incredible. Know. And we're going to have to uh, cut that word out because uh, Nate said a naughty word. He said poo. Um, yeah. Very yeah Ellen doesn't it, no count. that don't count now <laughs> um, well there we go thank you very much uh, for joining us it's been do you know what I, I when I messaged you it was like a super long shot but I am so I feel so honoured and so happy that you've joined us and talked to us um, we're speaking to an actual famous person um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. oh, it's been really fun boys thank, yeah, you. thank you very much and uh, to everyone that is listening uh, we'll go back to uh, future Josh and Elston right about now so I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview we had a hell of a lot of fun uh, recording that and chatting to Nate. Obviously, we talked to him quite a bit before we recorded and afterwards. Um, and it, you know what? It was just, it was so nice of him to put some time aside, uh, stay up late <laughs> to talk to I, us. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just so happy that there's a Black Library author that used the word Belland. That was uh, that yeah. was the highlight <laughs> for me. <laughs> that, was, that was the highlight. The interview was like over an hour long, but that one yeah. word. It means so much to both of us. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to that. I hope you will go and check out his works. Um, we'll put all the list of the stuff that he's worked on uh, in the show notes and in the description. Um, if you want to go and check them out, please do. I highly recommend, uh, especially the two Twice Dead King books and the Gasgill book, all absolutely superb. Um, so go and check those out. Um, and go and check him out on all his socials. I'll, again, I'll try and list them down below in the description. He did Special. mention them. On the, on, his, <laughs> on the end of the interview uh, so thank you very much for listening I hope you've enjoyed if you have be sure to leave a like if you're on YouTube or subscribe uh, to the channel if you're not already follow us if you're on any of the podcast platforms Spotify mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts wherever you're listening Elston where can we find you on the World Wide Web if we want to, uh, if we want to follow you if you want to follow me, I'll classify you as a stalker and I will take the appropriate legal action. But if you want to look at me on the internet, uh, that's only fans elstonation. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, you can find... <laughs> Are you alright there? <coughs> I was having a sip of coffee because I thought, oh, I, can have a- I can have a sip of coffee while Elston's talking. Obviously not. <laughs> Mental image. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Elstonation. Uh, there is a Facebook page, Elstonation's Minis. I'm on Instagram as well. And if you want to contact me, probably best either through the Pickle Jar Discord server or Facebook, or you can drop me a comment on any of my YouTube videos. How about you, El Capitan Pical? Uh, you can find me, as always, over on uh, my channel, The Pickle Jar, or on my live stream channel, Pickle Vision, uh, where I live stream uh, most Wednesdays. I'm, I usually say every Wednesday. Um, I'm having a bit of a reshuffle with the streams, um, but it is still going to be most Wednesdays. Um, but yeah, you can find me over there or on, like on my main channel. You can find me on my Discord server. Link for that down below the description. It's the best way to get in contact with me. Um, yeah, or obviously on any of my socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. So there we go. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and we will be back next Monday with our regular episode. Uh, We are Mm. hoping to do more of these sort of interview episodes as we 
uh, as we grow, as we as we continue to expand. So um, if you know famous people, let us know so we can hijack them into our show. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. don't even have to be wargaming related, to be fair. I mean, if you know some kind of weird people like Benedict Cumberbatch or something like that, we could talk to him. Yes, if, if, if anyone knows Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, please ask him to come on our podcast, <laughs> podcast. and we can talk to him about being a dragon. Yay! Um, <laughs> and with that, we're out of here. Thanks very much for tuning in, guys, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Did you fall off a cliff? Sound effects. <laughs> cool.